So, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with... You will be with child and give birth to the son, and you are to give him the name of Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angels, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who said to be barren is, her, is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. That was Luke 1, 26-38. It is astonishing that Mary was entirely obedient to the Lord, even though she didn't fully understand the implications of what was about to happen to her. God's will meant that Mary would be subject to ridicule and even persecution. While we believe that Mary conceived as a virgin because the word of God tells us this, Mary's neighbors and family would not readily believe. Mary was a woman with a very strong faith. She not only believed God's word, but she was obedient to the Lord's instruction. As we celebrate Advent at this time, let us renew our commitment to be obedient to the Lord at all costs. Heavenly Father, you know the times when we have trouble believing, and we ask you to increase our faith. We offer ourselves to you today in obedience to you and to your word. We ask you for boldness, that we may be able to follow you even when the world turns its back on us. We desire to follow you, even in the face of persecution. And we ask you to guide us when the way is uncertain. In the Lord Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. Did you bring your Bibles? Are you ready this morning? I'm just ready to get into the Word this morning, so uh, let's make our declaration together. Say it with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith received from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for its truth. I thank you, Father, that it is ever-changing. I thank you, Father, you've even set your word above your name. You made your word paramount. And so we thank you, Father, we can anchor our lives, our hope, our faith, and our trust in the surety of your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing clarity to our lives today. In Jesus' name, and somebody said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, so this morning, I'm excited for this message and praying. And we've been dealing with uh, winning the battle against unbelief, winning the war and the battle against unbelief. So I want to share with you, uh, really this morning on covenant, we share with you Bartimaeus and him calling on the name of the Lord, Jesus, our son of David, have mercy upon me, and that being a covenant cry, a covenant request based upon covenant. If you are the son of David, and it really is a declaration that if you are the Messiah, if you are the son of David, then you have declared to me what that means. And so I am a recipient of that, so I have a right to claim that in my life. Amen? And so if you are born again, you are also made a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we mentioned to you that salvation means this. When I say I'm saved, I'm declaring that I'm a recipient of every benefit that has been bestowed upon man by God through Christ. Amen? You are a recipient of every benefit that has been bestowed by God upon man through Christ. And being that, being in Christ, that means I have a right to request, to ask, or even to place a demand on that in my life. Thank you for that agreement and enthusiasm. Amen. I just feel encouraged already. Praise the Lord. 
So I want you to read some scriptures with me this morning, and then we're going to dive into this, and I believe it will open some of our eyes this morning. Starting by going to Hebrews chapter 13, then I'm going to talk to you about the everlasting covenant. And this morning, uh, as we're getting ready, we're just two weeks away from Christmas, and that, and uh, I'm excited today. Today, 42 years ago, I gave my life to the Lord. December 13, 1978, I gave my life to the Lord. Amen. That's exciting. Amen. I don't feel a day over 42 myself. Some of you will get that later. Amen. So watch this. Hebrews chapter 13, beginning verse 20. Now may the God of peace. Somebody say peace. So look what Paul's saying here. I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. You believe whoever you want. Amen. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep. Now watch this. Through the blood of what? The everlasting covenant. Now, now, now let me just... Throw this in here real quick. Everlasting means not bound by time. Okay? So if it's an everlasting covenant, it's a covenant that doesn't have an ending to it. This will be everlasting through the blood of the everlasting covenant. And so it's everlasting, we're going to find out in a few moments here, because it was made before time and it will continue after time. You and I live in a parenthetical space called time, and God is doing something in that called redemption. But for us, when God declared his word, he's given us an everlasting word, a word that doesn't change, that time does not have an effect upon. Are you doing all right? So I say in here, according uh, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you what? Complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. We're going to come back to Ephesians, but go with me, if you would, to uh, 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 Hebrews. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, for time's sake, I'll start reading while you're getting there. Beginning in verse 8, Paul says, To me whom am, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given to me that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable. Somebody say unsearchable. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Means that even after 42 years of being a Christian, I'm still searching. Amen. I'm still discovering the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Watch it. Which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now somebody say now. So what? So now. So God said all these things in motion, but to the intent that now. The manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Who's that? That's us, right? To the church, to principalities and powers, and in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have redemption, excuse me, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulation. For you, which is for your glory. Go over to chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, and begin with me, if you would, at uh, verse 7. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood. We heard it in Hebrews, the blood of the everlasting covenant, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, in which excuse me, which he made abound towards us in all wisdom and proven, having made known to us the mystery of his will. So his will's not hidden, it's been made known to us, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Somebody say in himself. That's such an important term, that God purposed in himself what he was going to do. Not in you, not in conference with you, not asking you what you think, how do I think I should do this, in himself. He purposes. Are you doing all right? That in the, watch this, in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in, in one all things in Christ, which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. <coughs> Excuse me. According to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of what? His will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. Hallelujah. Now, if you would go with me to Hebrews, back to Hebrews chapter 6. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
Excuse me. In verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, this is so important, because he could swear by no one greater. When God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater. Watch this. He swore by himself. Saying, surely I will bless you and multiply and I will multiply you. So after he had patiently endured, speaking of Abraham, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater and an oath for a confirmation is for them and into all dispute. Thus God determined to show more abundantly. Somebody say more abundantly. Come on, if you get this, it'll set you free. To the heirs of promise. How many believe you're a joint heir with Christ? So God wanted to prove to the heirs of promise to us, more abundantly to us, the immutability of his counsel, the unchangeable, can't be changed, can't be altered. It is immutable. His counsel, his will, the counsel of his own will as we read, that by confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Amen. Part of our, what we're doing here is our hope that we have in Christ. Amen. Through this Advent season, Jesus came bringing hope. Go with me also, if you would, to Colossians chapter 2. Go back left if you would. Oh, thank you. To Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. I want to read verses 8 through 10 with you. It says, Beware lest anyone cheat you. Through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the traditions of men. Remember we said that Jesus came and couldn't do mighty work because the traditions of men have made the word of no effective use. Amen? Stripped it of its power. Watch this. According to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, somebody say in him. And where are we? If any man beware, in Christ, right? If any man be in Christ, okay. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Now, I know I just gave you a lot of scripture in there, but I wanted to lay this foundation scripturally for you as we dive into that. Now, let me go back to the word and oath. How, how many know we, we watch people right now, people get sworn into an office and, and, and they'll lay their hand on a Bible and they're swearing, they're taking their oath on the Bible. I, I swear on this Bible, I will perform my duties faithfully. Amen. So when you swear on this, then you're swearing by all the judgments that are in here. You're saying, man, if I put my hand on the Bible and swear that may every judgment against breaking my word be performed in my life. If I don't keep my word, may the consequences contained in this book come upon me. Anybody want to put your hand on the Bible and swear this morning? But this is what God said. He says, I swore by myself. I hold myself accountable to myself. Wouldn't it be nice if those of us who are supposed to be in elected office would keep the oath that they made? I just That's my political statement for this morning. Amen. So look at the cover of your outline. From the beginning of recorded history, wherever we find human beings, we find the making of covenant. You need to understand this so clearly this morning. From the beginning of his existence, mankind has attempted to forge unbreakable relationships, to bring about commitments to honor, the keeping of promises and fulfilling of obligations, even unto death. From the beginning of time, man has been aware of a high love, a high love that does not come naturally to him. Or there's a sense inside, there, there's love beyond what we comprehend. And we want to discover that. We want to find that out in our own life. A love that he must bind himself to with an oath or covenant. 
And that's what happens to us with God. When we come to God, we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth, Jesus Christ is our Lord. We, we make a vow and an oath of commitment in serving the Lord. Amen. And, and we bind, our, I have to bind myself to this love. I don't have to be able to explain it. I just know that it's real. But I'm going to bind myself to this love through an oath and a commitment and swearing my fidelity to that. Or in other words, with a covenant connection. The question arises as to where did man get the lofty ideals that are contained in covenant? Who taught him there was a love beyond feelings that was, com that was a commitment unto death? Who instructed him that he could aspire to faithfulness to his word that he would bind himself to? See, see we could have, God, I'm going to keep my word I, I, no matter what. I will keep my word. Just same way as you have said, you have bound yourself to your word. I choose to bind myself to my word to keep it. For the love of truth and for another human being. Where did he come up with the concept of an oath that was defined in the terms of to seven oneself? Go with me to Genesis chapter 21, if you would. Now, I'm preaching this on winning the battle against unbelief and connecting this to it. Because living in this day, in this hour, you're going to have to be people of the word. You're going to have, your faith is going to have to have a foundation <coughs> beyond just what's going on around you. And beyond just casual life or viewpoints or whatever, you're going to have to understand. So breaking this down and teaching that, I'm believing that God's people are coming back into a greater hunger for the word than they've had for a long time. Amen. Amen. And so now watch this, watch this. Genesis chapter 21, this is Abraham and Abimelech and uh, so let's just go to verse 22. And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Philco, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, watch this, swear to me by God. Take an oath to me before God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring or with my posterity. But that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land in which you have dwelt. And Abraham said what? I swear. Verse 25. Then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of the well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor had I heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep, listen to that, took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and two of them made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. And Abimelech asked, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs which you have set by themselves? He said, you will take these seven ewe lambs from my hand, that they may be my witness that I have dug this well. Therefore he called that place Beersheba, because the two of them swore an oath there. Or they made a covenant and a vow and an oath, and the seven ewe lambs were the significant. I, I, seven times, I swear, I swear, I swear, I swear, I swear, I swear, I swear to the seventh power. Amen. That I will not break my word to you. And so that was for life or for death. Are you with me? And, and that is how God relates to us. And when you understand where does men get this idea. Because God reveals himself through the oath of his covenant to you and I. Are you doing alright? So watch this. So God gave a revelation of himself to the first members of the human race. Revealing to him... That in his infinite being, he is covenant love. God is covenant love. He's not love like you and I know it. We live in a world that does not understand love. Everything is touchy-feely emotion and all this stuff. We are the most emotionally messed up society that has ever lived on the face of the earth. People are so emotionally triggered and, and feeling-centered and, and la-la-la-la. It just is amazing. 
Are you doing all right? Everybody needs validation. Everybody needs affirmation. Everybody needs confirmation. Oh. Anyway, it's hard for me because I don't flow in any of that stuff. Amen. Not naturally. God graces me to work in that, but that's not my natural flow. So God gives us revelation that He is covenant love, but covenant love is love-centered in will. It's a value making your will, not in your emotion. How many know emotions change? But when you decide something in your will, this is what God said. The, The Lord said, I'm the Lord thy God, I change not. And in my unchanging nature, I've vowed, I've sworn my love to you. Donnie Moore used to say it like this, nothing you will ever do (coughs) can make God love you more. Nothing you will ever do can make God love you less. Because he's sworn and declared his love upon you in an oath to himself that nothing that happened will ever change how he sees you. And the fact that he loves you and that he has set his love upon you. Amen? So watch this. Faithful to himself, he is covenant love. He is faithful to himself and his word even unto death. Look inside your outline. It's going to get fun here in just a minute. The land before time. Let's talk about this a little bit. Or in other words, we read it, the everlasting covenant of God. In fact, go with me to uh, 1 Timothy we're going to read a lot of scripture this morning. It's good that you believe what you believe is in your Bible. It's important. Excuse me, second, not First Timothy, Second Timothy. My bad. Second Timothy, chapter one, verses nine and ten. Well, let's let's go back and read verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ. What? What? Before time began. It was given to us in Christ before time began. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So when we are celebrating Christmas, when we're celebrating the birth of our Savior, we are declaring that this is a God enacting and bringing into full force the everlasting covenant into the earth with humanity. Are you doing all right? So watch that. Go with me to, and how does God operate in that? So go with me to Galatians. People I said, well, when does God do that? Now let me just give you a, a statement that may help you a little bit. Because we live in time, we think everything's based upon time. Because you live in time, your whole world focused around time. People don't go to church today because they don't have enough time. People read their Bible today because they don't have enough time. People don't pray because they don't have enough time. Moving right along. But God does everything according to his purpose, not according to your time. And we judge God by how it's turning out in the realm of time where we live. We have an eternal God who's given us an eternal word that that is working something out in this parenthetical space of time. But we think because we don't understand why it takes so long, how it didn't come about in the time frame that we think it should, that somehow there's something wrong with what God said. Galatians chapter 4, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from the slave, though he is a master of all, but is under guardian and stewards until, somebody say until, until the appointed time, somebody say appointed time, until the time appointed by the Father, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world, but, somebody say but, Why? When the fullness of time had come. 
God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So before time, as Paul said in 1 Timothy, before time God ordained that this adoption would come, that it would come through His Son and the sacrifice of His Son. Are you doing all right? So we see that coming to pass, but it came about at his appointed time, not at our expected time. Amen. That's why you just need to hear the word of God, let it get down on the inside of you, and just walk around knowing you're pregnant. Knowing that you're carrying the life of God's word on the inside of you, and that at the, at the fullness of term, when it's full term, I'll deliver. Amen? Or that will come forth. Are you doing all right? Praise the Lord. So look with me. And then we also read in Ephesians 10, 1, verse 10, but we won't go back there. Throughout Scripture, there's a reference to events that happened prior to history. This reference, this, there is a reference to a place before time, space, and before matter. In the beginning, before the beginning, there was God. Amen? In the beginning, God. So before time and before space, God has always existed. Are you doing all right? But something happened there that set in motion all that we know and experience today. This is what makes it so hard for man to grasp and comprehend the existence of time before him. We're so self-centered, we think everything God does evolves around us. But because of what happened there before time, we are here. That's why we're here. Jesus is here, and the church, and as his body, we are here. You see, before time began, a covenant was made within the Godhead, between the Father and the Son, and witnessed by the Holy Spirit as the executor. And it has been unveiled and revealed bit by bit throughout the generations until fully revealed in Christ Jesus. So God made an eternal covenant. He made an eternal oath and declaration. And then as man's been on the scene, bit by bit in God's relationship and interaction with man, he's revealed the promise and the covenant and the fulfillment until Christ came and the fullness came. Everything up to there was a partial unveiling. In Abraham, what, what, what did he say to Adam? Look what he said to Adam. You will bruise his you will bruise to say you know you will bruise your heel you will bruise his head and he will bruise your heel speaking of the seed amen so here, here's a revelation of a seed that is coming in abraham give me a son and a partial revelation to abraham a partial revelation to noah a partial revelation to to moses and the people of israel partial revelation david gets a partial revelation in the davidic covenant God bit by bit revealing himself and everything of it all pointing to Jesus. Everything pointing to Christ and the coming and the fulfillment of the everlasting covenant. Think about this. Time brings fulfillment of promise. When the promise complete, is completely fulfilled, time's going to cease. You know, the Bible says we're at the end of the age. When I look at everything that's going on right now, and you read your Bible, and I don't want to put a whole prophetic spin, everybody's got so many weird ideas. I just like to read the Bible and say, I can see this coming to pass. But what you're seeing is, through this whole situation that we've been in, it's not an America pandemic. This has been a global event. You're seeing global economies, global government, and governments coming together, everything. And we're seeing the possibility People have always read the Bible. I don't see how one world government could come about. I don't see how I can make everybody in the world do it, la, la, la. You're seeing it right now. And people are just, yeah, okay. You go, people would never be that stupid. Oh, yeah, they are. They just kind of walk right along. Whatever you say. So the Bible says there will be people and everybody will buy into this thing. Of a one world government and ruler and dictator. How could that ever come to pass? Because the Bible says we're coming <clears throat> to a time of the end of the age. Paul says until the end of the age. Time is an age. It is a dispensation. The dispensation of the fullness of time. Which is a way that God interacts with humanity in the earth. 
Dispensations are the different ways that God has interacted with humanity in relationship in the earth. And so, but there is a time when that ends, and we go, the, etern- the, the everlasting covenant was made before time and brings us into the fulfillment after time. It is an eternal covenant, and you have received eternal life. And so you are now an eternal being. Are you doing all right? So I, don't, I know this is a college course, but you can handle it. So eternity is a place. The word eternity means no time. You live where time is no longer a factor. Look at the thing. A day with the Lord is as a... And a thousand years is as a... No reference to time at all. And, and that's what we are called into. That's what we are born into in Christ is eternal life. Are you doing okay? So watch this. So the mystery now made known to us is now made known in and through Christ Jesus. We read it in Ephesians and Colossians. Everlasting is, we, is a word that refers to outside of time. Or in other words, there was a covenant made on behalf of man outside of and apart from time. But a promise must be made to someone. The promise made before man, before time, was not made to us, for we were not there. Go with me, this will get good in a minute. Go with me to Titus chapter 1. Beginning verse 1. Paul, a bondservant, a self-submitted slave, a bondservant. I choose, I choose slavery to Christ. I choose to be his servant. I choose to give my life for the rest of my life to choose him. I am a self-bonded servant. I vowed my life to Christ for the rest of my life. Paul, a bond slave. A bond slave is a slave who had been set free. Their debt completely paid free. They could go their own way, live their own life. Says, no, I don't want to live my own life. I want to spend my life serving you. And so they would go to the gate of the city and they would have their ear pierced by the elders at the gate of the city and a mark that they could never break their bond. That's how we're supposed to live for Jesus. Not just try him if it's going okay, but to live our life bonded to him in service. That's a whole other message, but we'll keep going. According to the faith of God's elect. Now watch, a bond servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, watch what, which God who cannot what? Lie, promised, promised before time began. So God made a promise of eternal life before time began, before man was even created, before he formed the earth, and before he formed man out of the dust of the earth and breathed life into his nostrils, he knew he was going to create him. He knew what he was doing, so he formed a plan of redemption in eternity. Glory to God. Go with me to 1 Peter. First Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 17. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time on your sojourn here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish, without spot, for indeed he was foreordained, pre-appointed before, somebody say before, the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So watch this. These are strong words to declare that Jesus as a lamb sacrifice for us was declared and known before the work of creation began. His death was not an accident, but it was the reason he came. 
This is the revealing this is the revealing of the plan made between the Father and the Son before time and eternity as part of the eternal purpose of God so that our faith and our hope would be in Him. Amen. This brings us to the unsearchable riches of Christ as we read. Can I tell you, as I said earlier, that today, look, at today marked 42 years of serving the Lord. That's awesome. I'm going to go have me some cake. Amen. Of serving the Lord, but look at as yet I haven't even scratched the surface. Look, look, look what you're hearing this morning. You're hearing this stuff, and you're going, Oh man, I don't know if I can wrap my head around. Well, just start searching. Just get in there, keep diving in, and watch what God does. He'll open his unsearchable word to you and reveal himself more and more to you. So this is this is that area. So what is eternal purpose though? Eternal purpose is what we live in. Listen, God has an eternal purpose. Ephesians 3 said he has an eternal purpose that he's fulfilling in time. So in this parenthetical space of time, God God has an eternal purpose, meaning it was established in eternity before time, is being fulfilled in time, and will continue on after time. And your name is in that. Your purpose is in that. Ephesians 2.10, you are his... Workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus according to his predestined plan for you. He wrote you into his eternal purpose. And when I live for eternal purpose, not my desire. See, that's the hard part about Christianity. you got to die. You have to die to yourself. Your desires, your want. Watch this. God is so awesome, though, that you never lose anything by sowing. When you sow your life into the soil of his kingdom, he knows what you like to do. He'll let you do it. He knows what you like to eat. He'll let you eat it. He knows things that make you happy and joyful. He wants to. He is a. We sing the song. We just don't believe it. You're a good father. You're a good. good. He's a good father. And he knows how to bless his kid. But he expects you to live according to his purpose. Are you doing all right? Hallelujah. This is good preaching. I just have to amen myself, encourage myself every now and then. Amen. So we will not know, and, and I put that in there, if we are His and we're being led by His Spirit, we end up in the places He appointed for our lives. If I could take you back and, and I could tell you, I, I understand, gee, you only, serving God, you only understand serving God by looking back. You serve Him long enough, you can look back. Because then you understand, oh, I understand. He had to take me there to get me here to fulfill his purpose through my, to fulfill his purpose through my life. We are called to live to the praise of his glory. And I can't do that by asking him to just meet every need in my life. I have to believe that every need in my life is met. I'm a blessed man. I'm a blessed woman. I'm a blessed child of God. And in that, I know that God will make sure that my life is filled with joy. Come on. He gives you the fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Amen. And so it's just in you. Amen. People say, why are you happy? I can't help it. It's in me. Amen. So now watch you. So, but we fulfill that by living here. We fulfill his purpose and we end up in those places. Joseph said, hey, you, you didn't do this. God worked it all out. He had to take me there. I had to go through all to get here because God chose me. He already said 400 years before, he said, I'm going to bring Israel in. They're going to go through and then, after, and then I'm going to take them out and do all this stuff. And he did all that by people being yielded to his eternal purpose in their life. Amen. Amen. Oh, this is so good. I'm telling you. So what? We will not know God until we understand love. God is love. He is Hasan. And it is the word of covenant. It's difficult to translate into our culture. We think love. Oh, I just. And we say it all the time. I say it all the time. I love you, man. Love you, man. Well, it's a little deeper than that. So we use words like mercy, goodness, kindness, steadfast love, loyal love, covenant love, loving kindness, or just kindness. Love of God doesn't fit into our modern definition. We cannot truly love, hear this this morning, we cannot truly love until we come to the place of sacrifice 
and giving of yourself to another for another. You give of yourself to another and for another. I give my life to you and for you. That's love. I give my life to you and for you. I don't want you just to give yourself to me for me. I lead by giving myself to you and for you. That's what Christmas is all about. God gave himself to you and for you out of his love for you. He's totally committed to you and for you with his life. Amen? That's love. That's God's kind of love. This is the essence of the covenant redemptive love. I love Oswald Chambers because he deals a lot with understanding redemptive love. Unless you understand the cross and redemption, you have no concept of God's love. And, and you can't bring God down. Oh, God is love. You hear the statement. If God was such a loving God, why would he allow all this to happen? Dumbest statement ever made. Because you're judging God by emotions and, and, and a sensual and, and, and a feeling love and, and just a circumstantial love and everything else. That isn't the God kind of love. The God kind of love says this, I love you and I've given myself to you as an answer for you in everything you need in your life. If you choose not to abide or to live in my love, I can't help you. Are you doing all right? He has set his love upon us, but man chooses to go in his own direction. Hallelujah. So think about it. The love of God is on display in the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, given to us, as we read, even before time began. Look what the angels began. Unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord, who will deliver His people. But think about that. Romans says, while we were yet sinners, God commended His love towards us. I hope I can get you past your doubts in God's faithfulness. Now, when you understand this, all of a sudden, John 3.16 goes to a whole new level. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Amen? To us and for us. So this is truly amazing grace. So let me just end with this this morning. Why a covenant before time? Why was it so important? Why is an everlasting covenant? Why, why is it, Pastor, why are you preaching all this? It's Christmas. We should be singing songs and toasting marshmallows or something. Why a covenant before time? Go back to Ephesians with me. Ephesians chapter 1. I know I ask you this all the time, but this time I really mean it. You doing all right? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, read verse 1 through 5. Watch this. I, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. How? By the will of God, not by your own post on Facebook. Amen. To the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who what? Who has what? No, no, the first word there is has, past tense, who has blessed us. So you say, Lord, bless me. He said, I already have. Something happens when I understand covenant and I begin to walk and declare the provision of what I already have. This is what, you've heard me say it before. The devil knows 
what He wants you not to believe. The things He wants you not to believe, He knows are true. I'm trying to remember how I said it. But He knows what He says is not true. He knows what is true. He knows who you are. He knows what the covenant is. But He wants you to believe what He knows is not true. That's what He works on. Getting you to believe what He knows is not true. Getting you to try to get what He knows you already have. If He can get you trying to get what you already have, He knows that He has you bound in unbelief. Because you don't believe you already have it. You don't believe God meant what He said. You don't believe that it's already finished in Christ. So you're trying to get what is already yours. That's like sitting your kids down the table, putting dinner in front of them, and them going, could I have something to eat? You already got food in front of you? Well, yeah, but I'd like something to eat. But it's already there in front of you. Already cooked. It's already there in front of you. Yeah, but I would really like something to eat. You have something to eat. It's there. It's prepared, it's prepared for you. Are you doing all right? Verse five, keep going on. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, where? In the heavenly places, how? In Christ, what? Just as he chose us in him, glory to God. When? Before what? So when was all this set up? Before the foundation of the world, before anything ever happened. God already ordained everything that he brought to fulfillment in Christ. It is already ours. It is already settled. Come on. Watch this. That we should be holy and without blame before him, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, and to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Come on, that's a whole lot of good right there. Amen? All right, now what? So look at the next point. So God chose, well, let me just go back. So Paul explains that salvation began before the creation and was dependent solely, watch this, dependent solely upon the Father making the saving agreement with the Son of God as a representative and substitute of his church. In that covenant, before time, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost made agreement for the redemption of man. Real quick, go to Revelation chapter 13. We'll read all these this morning. Praise God. Revelation 13, because I don't trust you to go home and read it yourself. Revelation 13, look at this. Speaking of the devil, what's going on in verse 7. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints, to overcome them, authority given him over every tribe, every tongue, every nation who dwell on the earth and worship him, watch this, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, watch this, slain, when? From the foundation of the world. This is for all those people that preach Christians go through the tribulation. I don't think so. It says, this is all those people whose names are not in the book. If you're saved, your name's in the book. So the enemy can't make war against you, prevail over you. Your name's in the book. Are you doing all right? All right. We'll get into that later, too. But the lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. Praise the Lord. So God chose to bind himself to us by his word to himself in covenant love before he created us. He chose in himself... Now, not to deny us or reject or, or to reject us, excuse me, he chose us in himself. So now if he denies us or rejects us, he has to deny himself. Are you getting this? When God made a vow to himself what he would do, he didn't vow to anybody else. He vowed to himself. His covenant redemption to you and I. And so for him to reject us, he has to reject himself. When you be, that's why it says, by the immutable counsel of his own word, by the unchangeable counsel of his own word, God has vowed to you, he's sworn to himself that he will not change in redeeming you and me, in redemption. Are you doing all right? 
to watch this. He formed a no way out plan of love before he started. Why? Because he is love. God gave himself a no way out. We all like, no, we all like to know, is there a way out of this? Think about all the commercials today. You have over $10,000 in credit card debt. We have a way out. You have over $10,000 in credit card? You, you. I pause for a minute. Please, please, let me just say this as your pastor. Please don't go into debt to buy gifts at Christmas. You don't have to prove your love to anybody through debt. Do not bring yourself in. If you can't buy, I don't care. If, if, if the best you can get is a lollipop, bless God. If your best that you can afford without going into debt is not enough for people, that's, oh man. For somebody to, for, uh, just don't do that. Amen. Don't do that to yourself or to anybody else. Amen. The, the, people, the, the, you, you try to express your love out of which, and they'll, that's all you got me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, give it back. That's what I'd do. I'd just go take it back. Thank you. I changed my mind. I have a way out policy. <laughs> called take it back. Amen. Get that by myself a toy. Hallelujah. I'd appreciate myself. Blessing myself. Amen. Anyway. Don't go into debt to that. So it's a, he had a, a no way out. Psalms 15.4 says that we swear to our own hurt and don't change. How, how many know that the Bible says God's heart was broken? Knowing that people would reject. Look at John, John said, he came into the world and his own received him not. He's coming to die, give his life for them. And they won't even receive him. How's that make God feel? So hear me. We're redeemed into the place where covenant was made. Your redemption means you've been redeemed into the place where covenant was made. You're redeemed into eternity. Now get this. This is so important. This whole message ties right here. And I know we're a couple minutes long, but you're all right. So look at your neighbor. Say, you're all right. You'll be okay. You're okay. All right. <laughs> So watch it. I want you to hear me. Redemption had to be made in eternity in order for us to receive the hope and the promise of eternity. God had to form an eternal plan before he created time. By choosing to redeem man before time, he can thereby redeem us out of time. If God had let man choose and fall first and then formulate a plan of redemption, he would not have been able to redeem us unto himself for all of eternity. You would have been redeemed in the place where the offense occurred. But before it ever happened, God set redemption in motion in eternity before time and creation ever began. So God knew, if I set this in motion, I have to have a plan to redeem it to myself. I am an eternal being. He wants us. We've been reconciled unto him. God was in the world through Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, reconciling the world to himself. He dwells in eternity. If he'd have just operated in time, that would have been the confines of what he could do for us. Meaning this. He would not have been able to redeem us out of time. The best he would have been able to do is just give us a good life here in this time. That's what most people live in. People just thinking about time, trying to live a good life here. You've been redeemed into eternal life with God. So here, number one, he knew that he was getting ready to create a man with free will and the power of choice. To fulfill his purpose of love, he who is the only free will. God was the only free will. He who is the only free will must freely choose to introduce an other free will into existence. 
Man must be created with the will that is completely free to choose to respond to his love with loving obedience or to choose to divorce himself from God and demand independence. That's how God created us. And knowing that he was creating man in his image, in his likeness, a carrier of his nature. He says, I have to set a plan in motion before. You see, it's a chilling experience to introduce into existence a creature that can choose to be independent of God's life and spurn his love. Some of us have a glimpse of that with our children. You give them birth into life and you want to cover them, provide them, and we go through those stages of independence and breaking out from our love. Number five, therefore, if he was to redeem him, it would have to be decided before he, man, was able to choose. And the only person God could commit to was himself. We read it in Hebrews 6. Because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. We said, in blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply you. In loving you, I will love you. I declare my redemption over you. Amen? Amen. This is why Scripture speaks of God acting on our behalf. Watch this. Full of it in the Old Testament. For His name's sake. With Israel said, everything I've done for you is not according to anything you have done. I do everything with you for my name's sake. Because I put my name, my life on the line. I am fulfilling. You are the recipient of me fulfilling my word to myself. You need to hear that. You are the recipient of God fulfilling his word to himself. Everything God has declared to you, he declared to himself concerning you. So you should never doubt the validity or the veracity of his love to fulfill his word concerning you. Bless myself. <laughs> Salvation is, watch this, calling what? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Lord, you said, when you call, you, you say, Lord, you said, if I believed in you, if I call upon you, you would save me. And if I have called, then I am saved. And if I am saved, then I have been made a joint heir with Christ. I am now in him. I am no longer in myself. And so, now get this, this is why it's so important. God and the Father made covenant in themselves. And Jesus, so they vowed to each other. The Father said, I'll do this. And Jesus said, I I volunteer to be their representative on their behalf. So when we enter into Christ, we enter into everything that he has done for us. So, So we are entering into him. But you're entering into a covenant between the Father and the Son. You add nothing to it. You just believe it and receive it. That's it. I doing all right? So what's it? This means that in carrying out his purpose, he's not motivated by the worthiness of the people, but acts in accord with the covenant he made before time, which is what we know as grace. So here's my wish to you. Mary, covenant. Christmas. Amen? Bill, can you come back to the keyboard just for a moment, please?
People say, I wish I could believe God. I wish I could trust God. Something happens when I choose just to take God at His word. I don't, I mean, as I study it and I, and, and I see it revealed, I understand covenant. And when I look at love and I look at relationship, I understand when God said, I choose to give myself to you and for you, for life or for death. Let me give you one rest scripture. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich. Yet for your sakes, he became poor. That you, through his poverty, might be made rich. That though he was rich, that's not money. In income, Paul's talking about receiving an offering and being a blessing, but, but not just in material substance. He prayed in John 17, Father, glorify me with the glory that I had with you in the beginning. He was rich and clothed in the glory of God. He chose to leave, he chose to leave the glory and the presence of God and heaven to become. A man formed in the womb of a woman, birthed in a lowly stable to live a mediocre life, an average human life, and then to lay that life down in sacrifice to you and for you on a cross. To become poor and destitute of everything he was that you, through his poverty, might be made rich. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's a great God. But this is what he did. Stand to your feet with me this morning. God has the only free will introduce you into life as another free will and this is where you are today my friend every one of you you have the right to choose to live by your own will to declare and demand your own independence say God thank you I hear that I see that but I think I'll just going keep going on on my own or else today you could call upon covenant and return his vow to you back to him. To choose to be that bond slave, that servant for life. To choose today to give your life for the rest of your life to him. To choose to do life with God in Christ for the rest of your life. No way out, vow. The same way God vowed himself to you with no way out. You could choose today to make a vow to God with no way out. Shout talking years ago, Bill and Lori sang, wrote a song around it. But this is the prayer I prayed. I didn't even know how to pray. But December 13th, 1978, I knelt down and I prayed, Lord, today I give my life to you. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'll be whatever you ask me to be. I'll say whatever you ask me to say. I'm going to live for you the rest of my life. Period. That was my salvation prayer. 
I made the choice to give my life to Christ for the rest of my life. Why don't you bow your heads with me this morning? I've declared to you this morning God's gift to you, His Christmas gift to you is His everlasting covenant. God has bound Himself to you in His will in His everlasting love. And through His Son, He's given Himself to you. And He's given Himself for you. Jesus gave up all that He was. He stripped Himself, impoverished Himself. Paul even said in Philippians 2, took upon Himself the form of a servant and became obedient unto death that you through His poverty might be made rich by being brought in to His inheritance with the Father. He made a way for you to be a joint heir with Him in the everlasting covenant. Well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I don't know what your life vow is to God. But if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I'm ready to make that vow to the Lord, to vow my life to God, to Him and for Him for the rest of my life. No more church games, no more religion. Just a vow of love to God who's vowed His life to me. That's you. I want you to raise your hand right now. I know there's somebody here that needs us today. Thank you.